Hello and welcome back to the Selecting Your Fund Domicile, a series of video podcasts featuring expert law firms and A&O experts covering both onshore and offshore jurisdictions. I am Kumar Jafar, a fund and asset management partner based in the Middle East, and I will be moderating today's discussion. Today, we will be discussing key regulatory and legal developments in Ireland, another popular fund jurisdiction, and I am delighted to introduce our guest speakers today, Brian McDermott and Stephen Garson, partners at ANL Goodbody. Brian McDermott is the uh, head of ANL Goodbody's Asset Management and Investment Funds Group. He has extensive experience in structuring, establishing, and authorizing all types of investment funds, including USITs, AFES, and non regulated funds. In addition to advising the promoters and investment managers of such funds, um, Brian has also advised fund investors, fund directors, and service providers on relevant Irish law, regulation, and market practice. Brian also advises on all aspects of regulation of asset management and fund service activities in Ireland. Stephen Carson is a partner at ANL Goodbody Asset Management and Investment Funds Group. He advises international asset management funds and investment banks in relation to the establishment and authorization of all types of investment funds, including USITs, AFES, exchange traded funds, money market funds, hedge funds, private equity funds, and property funds, as well as the authorization of USITs management companies and alternative investment fund managers. Brian and Stephen, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks a lot, uh, Kamar. We're delighted to be here and to have this opportunity to have this chat with you. So without further ado, let's kick off with our first question. Brian, um, Ireland is an established fund establishment jurisdiction. What are the types of funds that you're currently seeing come to market? So we're fortunate in that Ireland is now the only English-speaking common law jurisdiction in the EU. And it's quite a mature funds market. And our client range certainly reflects that maturity in that it spans the gamut between startup managers looking to target the Italian market with a new ETF to very established institutional asset managers adding to their existing suite of, of investment fund products. We are fortunate in being able to offer a range of products covering both the usage and AIFMD world, so the, 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 the retail and then the more sophisticated investor market, but we also have an unregulated fund offering for more specialized types of private funds. We are primarily a regulated fund domicile, and the majority of promoters of funds in Ireland come from the US or from the, or from the UK. But we're fortunate, certainly in, in our practice, but again, across our industry in Ireland to have promoters really from all over the world, from, from, from the Middle East, Far East to the Americas, and then across Europe and, and, and closer to home, both in Ireland and, and, and in the UK. And Stephen, um, what are some of the types of uh, vehicles that are commonly used? Are there any innovative or creative structures you've seen currently in the market? So as Brian mentioned, Ireland is primarily a regulated fund domicile. And so for regulated funds, whether they're USITs or AFES, there are a range of vehicles available. The main corporate vehicle is the Irish Collective Asset Management Vehicle or the ICAP. And there are non-corporate vehicles such as unit trusts, common contractual funds, and the Investment Limited Partnership or ILP. The most common of those is the ICAP, particularly for USITs, open-ended hedge funds, many types of credit funds and, and hybrid structures. 
the ICAP, while it's a corporate vehicle, it has variable capital and is designed specifically for, for use as a, as a fund vehicle or as a fund product. So it has the level of flexibility you would need to structure any of those fund types. For, for unregulated funds, we see what we call the 1907 Limited Partnership as being that the structure or vehicle choice, particularly for private fund sponsors, it's, I guess, the Irish equivalent to the English Limited Partnership. And um, while not particularly innovative, I, I would like to mention the ILP in particular. This is a regulated limited partnership structure. It was subject to a range of legislature reforms about two years ago, which when combined with new guidance from the central bank and the operation of closed-ended funds, has brought that structure into line with comparable partnerships from other fund downsides. So we're increasingly seeing private fund sponsors uh, take interest in that as a structure for raising capital in the EU, whether as the buy-ad fund or a credit fund, or maybe as a, a feeder fund or a co-investment vehicle. So we're seeing increased interest from private fund sponsors for that structure in particular. And Brian, uh, what are the key regulatory structuring considerations? That's, that's the fun question for a funds lawyer um, when you're trying to, to guide them through the range of products available. And it's very much a case of considering who are your target investors, where are you trying to raise money, where do you want to invest that money, what is the investment strategy you're going to follow. Um, and, and once you've established those criteria, uh, and I would throw tax neutrality or tax transparency into that mix, and also throw into the capabilities of the service of the fund promoter and the service providers they want to use for their product. When you analyze these factors, you tend to come down to a choice of, do you go with a usage product or an ACE product? And the most popular ACE product is a qualifying investor in investment fund. And I think we'll come back to that in a, in a later question. You then need to consider to what extent you are going to outsource the provision of services to that fund, to what extent you as the fund promoter can provide those services within your organization, or do you need to buy in services from a third party? Then it is a matter of framing and negotiating the fund documentation, but that key stage is getting the structure right, and everything in my experience tends to flow from that. And Stephen, uh, what are some of the economic substance requirements that apply? Can you also describe the ecosystem in, in Ireland? So maybe looking at the corporate fund vehicle I mentioned earlier, the ICAP, and there are no minimum substance requirements as such. You can you need a board of non-executive directors, a minimum of two Irish resident directors. Best practice is to have at least three non-executive directors. So no minimum substance uh, requirement at a product or at a corporate fund level. But as many of your listeners will know in the EU, whether you're establishing a USITS or an AFE, you need to have a management company or AFM. And in Ireland, setting up a management company does attract a minimum substance requirement. In Ireland, that's three full-time employees or equivalent, which aligns with the, the, the guidance that ESMA issued a number of years ago and aligns with the minimum substance requirement you see in most new member states. Now, as a result of that, you tend to see larger asset managers or more established asset managers setting up proprietary managing companies in Ireland or elsewhere in the EU or passporting into Ireland to appoint to large fund structures. This is particularly the case post-Brexit where 
asset managers who had previously managed funds from management companies authorized in the UK, post-Brexit had to find alternative arrangements and, and many of them set up management companies in Ireland to be appointed to their Irish and their EU funds. One point I think we should bear in mind is that the ecosystem in Ireland for the third-party providers of management company oration services is quite developed. And so there is a well-trodden path towards new asset managers or asset managers coming to Europe for the first time using a third-party management company in order to set up their, their Irish or the European funds with a view to maybe at a later stage setting up their own proprietary management company. So that is a, an option we see adopted very regularly, particularly for, for asset managers setting up their first EU funds or their first Irish funds. While that addresses the economic substance requirements, maybe to pick up on, on something Brian mentioned earlier on, there are other service providers you need for an Irish fund, in particular the administrator who calculates the NAV and manages the, the unit holder or shareholder register, and of course the depository, which is a, a regulatory requirement to provide safekeeping and oversight services to the fund and its, and its assets. Ireland, being an established fund domicile, has a full range of administrator and depository service providers ranging from large US and, and European banks all the way to more specialist uh, private fund uh, service providers. And Brian, uh, what are some of the key requirements that apply in relation to private funds specifically? Yeah, I think as as, as already mentioned, that probably the most a popular structure for a private fund is our qualifying investor ACE. So this is an alternative investment fund, which is authorized by the Irish regulator, the Central Bank of Ireland, for marketing to professional investors. And for that purpose, it, the professional investor has the meaning ascribed to that term in the MIFID directive at, at a European level. Um, the other requirements with in order to be a quase is that the minimum investment in the product needs to be 100,000 euros or its equivalent, or indeed the minimum capital commitment needs to be 100,000 euros or its equivalent. Um, if you uh, are looking at an unregulated structure, you, you do have uh, then greater flexibility because obviously the central bank requirements don't apply. Um, for any regulated fund, the investment manager of that product needs to be approved by the central bank of Ireland. That's not an authorization, but it is a separate approval process. And the bank's ability and what the bank takes into consideration in giving its approval is where the investment manager is domiciled, how it is regulated, does the central bank have a relationship with that, with that regulator. And the central bank increasingly also looks to the, the AFM, so the, the authorized alternative investment fund manager for the product to demonstrate to the central bank the due diligence which the AFM has carried out on that investment manager. Um, other than that, the tax structuring is a key consideration for, for structuring private funds. For example, debt funds, loan funds, you want to make sure that it's not that there's an Irish tax concern, but it's more that the product is as efficient for the jurisdiction into which it's investing. And there are various devices and structures which we, we advise clients on and we've seen being used in the past to, I suppose, optimize the tax treatment, minimize the amount of withholding tax and ensure the best outcome for investors in that particular product. So when it comes to fund structuring, you can never get away from, from tax as a consideration. The other point would be the, the availability of appropriate service providers with the expertise 
to provide services to a fund investing in, in a particular asset class. And that could be patent royalties, for example. We've looked at, at art funds and, and various other more exotic asset classes. So you also do need that, that service provider capability for those products. And uh, Stephen, looking forward, what are some of the legal and regulatory developments on the horizon in, in Ireland? I know we, we'll probably touch more broadly on ESG and sustainable finance later on, but it won't surprise you to hear that those themes dominate the regulatory landscape. And maybe just to step back, first of all, a, a number of years ago, the, the EU introduced its action plan for sustainable finance. And a number of regulatory initiatives emerged from the Commission as a result of that, which have a, a direct impact on the managers of and investment funds themselves. So the last two years, we've been working with our asset management clients to integrate sustainability considerations at the policies and processes at their management companies, and also to update their offering documents where relevant to meet the disclosure requirements under the Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulations and underpinning that, the EU taxonomy regulation. Now, while we got through the level one and level two requirements with clients before the deadline of the start of this year, and that was quite a big undertaking, there are a number of areas which require clarification and a number of gaps in the regulatory regime. The expectation is that over the course of this year, that the European authorities and the European Commission will issue further Q&As to provide that clarity. And we expect we will have to work further with us, with our asset management clients to further update their offering documents and their policies and procedures to meet some of those clarifications. One particular regulatory um, development related to that, which we should touch on is ESMA before Christmas issued a consultation on some proposed draft guidance on the use of ESG or sustainability terms in the names of funds. Now, assuming this guidance is ultimately adopted in the form it's consulted on, it will represent the first time that the European institutions will introduce a minimum threshold for ENS or ESG alignment or minimum threshold for sustainable investments to, to use those terms in fund names, which is a, a significant step forward and one which we expect will be working very closely with our clients to help them grapple with that over the next 18 months. Brian, um, what are some of the trends that you're seeing in the market um, fund, fund terms changing? Um, We've seen quite a lot of uh, managers having, uh, you know, more bargaining power than investors. What are you seeing in this regard? I think we certainly see a degree of that. Um, again, it depends on the context of, of establishment of the product. What we do see is Irish fund structures being used as as solutions, and that can be from a large manager and. Um, devising or establishing a range of funds solely for one client, such as a wealth manager or a private bank, and solely for their distribution. But we also see managers coming up with fund structures as solutions to a particular structure need of an institutional investor. And, and obviously, if there's a significant enough pipeline or committed capital to the actual fund, it's worth that manager or promoter's while in setting up that, that bespoke structure. When it comes to the degree of negotiation of the documents, um, obviously, if it's a tailored structure, there is much more scope for negotiation and being more uh, investor friendly. But particularly the large managers typically have their own um, hot buttons and areas they won't concede on 
and are always mindful of their other investors and their other products and not wanting to be seen to prefer, or even in a bespoke structure, going too far beyond what they would typically permit or allow or indeed concede as a matter of negotiation. More broadly, in terms of product trends, we are seeing in the retail space quite a lot of uh, thematic funds, thematic ETFs in particular. We continue to see the development uh, and, and the increased AUMs of ETFs and being used across portfolios. So you get funds of ETFs from fund-to-fund structures. Um, so that's definitely a trend that's set to continue. We've already touched on ESG and the influence of ESG, but we are still seeing funds converting either from Article 9 to Article 8 funds or indeed from Article 6 to Article 8 funds and investment managers needing to feel that they have a product that is going to be attractive to investors who are looking to invest in products which they consider to be sustainable. In the private funds or the more traditional private fund space, we continue to see a lot of debt funds and debt fund structures and indeed a number of, probably not a high volume, but a significant number of impact investing funds as well. And Stephen, what are you seeing on the on the fund finance side? As I mentioned earlier on, Ireland is really growing as a domicile and relocation for private fund structuring. So at this point, perhaps the funds finance space isn't as developed as it might be in other jurisdictions. But that said, in line with the growth in private fund structuring and closed down funds in Ireland, we are seeing a significant amount of subscription line lending um, across broader alternative funds. We're seeing uh, asset finance, in particular for credit funds and real estate funds. I, I think the two main structural themes that we see are the lending arrangements or the facility agreements tend to be English law governed, uh, which probably won't surprise you, but actually the security arrangements will be Irish law governed on the basis that either the assets are in Ireland, the accounts are in Ireland, or the subscription agreements are, are signed subject to Irish law. So it's an area of growth and an area where we'll probably see greater trends emerge in the not too distant future, but, but it is an emerging space in Ireland at the moment. And, um, you know, Stephen, you have touched a bit on ESG. What are you seeing uh, in, in this space and in sustainable finance? Yeah, and as you mentioned earlier, Kamar, we, we've been working closely with clients on implementing the regulatory aspects of ESG and sustainable finance over the last two years. But sustainable investing and ESG investing is a, a long-term structural trend in Europe. It's led by institutional investors across Europe. And as a result, notwithstanding the, the regulatory burden and the increased regulatory focus, we see ESG funds as being a very significant part of, of all of the funds that, that we establish on behalf of our clients. And that has really increased since the introduction of SFTOR and taxonomy. I think many asset managers probably are responding to the fact that there is a framework within which to classify or disclose funds which, which make an ESG contribution or have a sustainable objective. And so... I think we've seen that trend really accelerate over the last two years. The regulatory burden doesn't seem to have discouraged asset managers and the appetite from investors has continued to increase as well. I guess one point I think which you're seeing a lot of discussion about and we're starting to see regulators respond to is that the risk of greenwashing or ESG washing 
last year, ESMA issued a supervisory briefing addressed to the competent authorities of, of the EU member states, setting out a framework for the inspection of how um, asset managers have implemented their disclosure obligations, how asset managers have implemented their sustainability consideration obligation. And we expect that the Irish Central Bank and other EU competent authorities will include those themes as part of their thematic inspections over the course of this year. In parallel to that, ESMA also issued a feedback or a call for evidence to the asset management industry in order to enhance its understanding of what greenwashing is. So there is this ominous presence of regulatory focus on greenwashing and ESG uh, washing, and I think asset managers are very mindful of that, and you hear asset managers to, or, or regulators talk about the risk of green bleaching, which is asset managers disclosing less about the VST credentials than they actually should. So, but I think notwithstanding that ominous presence in the background, ESG products and sustainable investment products are a trend that we're going to continue to see being a significant part of fund formation in the EU and in Ireland in particular. Stephen, Brian, thank you very much for sharing your insights. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back with a new podcast uh, for our Selecting Your Fund Domicile series very soon. Thank you very much and have a good day. Thank you.